Open your Bibles tonight to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, second in a series I started this morning called Where the Wild Things Are. Uh, we're, we're talking about the scary emotions, the, the, the things that threaten to invade our hearts. Uh, these are the only things really that we have to fear. I said this morning that I've learned in my life there are no haunted houses, but there certainly are haunted hearts. And many of us battle monsters every single day in the, in the depths of our heart. This morning we talked about anger. Tonight I want us to talk about a second monster. This one uh, equally dangerous, very threatening uh, and frightening. It's, it's the monster of depression that many of us have faced. It's really no accident. I did anger this morning and depression tonight. I know it seems like they're opposites, but in truth, they're not opposites at all. As a matter of fact, the standard definition among counselors for depression is that depression is anger turned inward. Uh, so actually, if you find a depressed person, it might actually be a person with, with an anger issue. I am a person who knows something about depression. I said this morning, I, I do experience anger, but I don't express anger very often. I have a tendency just to stuff those feelings, those negative things down deep inside my own heart. And so my anger tends never to be expressed toward other people, but I still have anger. And if I don't deal with that, that anger turns inward toward myself and can set me up for depression. And I know some of you know something about depression as, as well. That's probably why one of the most important religious poems uh, of the last century uh, begins like this. Uh, one night I dreamed I was walking along the beats with the Lord. You heard this? Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In, in each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints. Other times there was only one. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could see only one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, you promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you would walk with me always. But I've noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there has only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why, when I needed you most, have you not been there for me? That's an important question. And a lot of you have asked that question before. The, the, the psalmist asked that question, and it's in Psalm 42. Uh, let's read together and think about what it means to battle the monster of depression. Psalm chapter 42. There are sometimes prayers that you wouldn't dare pray out loud, perhaps especially not in front of people. But, but in our darkest times, sometimes our prayers are dark. And let me just tell you right up front, when, when that is how you feel, if that is where you are, then this is how you pray. Psalm 42. This, this is beautiful. Uh, listen, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O oh God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from the distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mazar. I, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day, 
the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Oh God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. When that is how you feel, that is how you pray. So good. I've used the illustration before. I've told you about the little boy who went to the fair with his daddy, went to the state fair, and there were those clowns, the kind of blow-up inflatable clowns that you punch. You ever seen those? Uh, they stand about this tall, and you punch them, and there's sand in the bottom, so you punch them down, and what happens? They come right back up. Yeah. Little boy had never seen one because I guess they're kind of old school. So little boy went up, and, and they were there with his dad, and he punched it, and the clown went down, and came right back up. Boy, punched it again, clown goes down, Comes right back up. Over and over, the boy was punching. He punched hard. He ran back, punched as hard as he could. The clown would go down, pop right back up. It was a lot of fun. The father was watching his boy just wear himself out. Clown would go down, come right back up. Finally, the father, just enjoying his son's effort and, and enjoying his son's struggle, he said, son, why do you think that clown keeps coming back up? You punch it as hard as you can, he comes right back up. Why do you think he pops back up? The little boy said, I have no idea. He must be standing up on the inside. The, the, the clown, you knock it down. And no matter how many times you knock it down, it just comes right back up. You, you've seen that. And, and honestly, for the most part in our lives, that's how it is. Life knocks us down over and over and over. Every single day, it brings a new opportunity for somebody to suck us in the, in the teeth and we go down. But we tend to come back up. That's life. And that's how most of us experience our lives. We get knocked down for a while, but, but we come back up. We, we tend always to come back up until... Sometime in your life when you don't. At some point in your life, it could happen to you. You get knocked down, but you don't just come back up. And no matter how hard you try, and honestly, no matter how hard you pray, you cannot come back up this time. That kind of experience is what is often called depression. And it's very, very difficult. It's extremely difficult. In this house tonight, I would say a number of you battle depression, a number of you on medication, and, and God bless you in, in your struggle. But the thing is, nobody knows about that. I can't tell you how many, how many people this morning left church and, and said, listen, Brother Tim, your sermon on anger, it, it really spoke to me. I really struggle with anger. And, and every single instance, I would look at the person and think, I would have never seen that. I would have never known that. And and the very same thing is true of depression. Those of you battling depression, for the most part, none of us would know. We would have no idea how, how on the inside you're down and, and you just can't get back up. It's, it, it's simply a, a part of our lives. And Scripture knows about depression. And the psalmist prays and cries out from the depths of his d- depression. It's, it's, it's the most bewildering and difficult of experiences. The depression. It's not the same as just having the blues. It's not the same as just being down one day or perhaps going through a crisis. We all get sad at times. I have very, very sad days, but they tend not to last very long. Like the clown, I tend to pop back up eventually. But there have been moments in my life when I go down and I don't come back up. 
And it's very frightening. It's very frightening because in our own lives, especially as believers, we have this voice that tells us, if you really knew God, if you really prayed, if you were really close to him, you would come back up. You would be able to shake this. You would feel better. You would be able to smile and sing and you would be more comfortable in church. You wouldn't feel like crying all the time or, or you wouldn't feel so frustrated and, and angry. That's what we tell ourselves. It's sometimes more difficult as Christians because we feel like we should never feel this way. The joy of the Lord is our strength, we read in Scripture. And over and over and over, the Scriptures speak of praise and thanksgiving and sometimes that's just not in our That's why depression very quickly becomes a spiritual struggle. It's not just emotional. It's not just psychological. It it involves the whole whole parts of you, body, mind, and soul. So when you find yourself in depression, it becomes a physical crisis. Some of us will begin to experience our depression physically. There there was a time in my life when I was younger when I would be in times of depression, all I would want to do is sleep. And I would often respond by just wanting to go to bed and sleep till things got better. And some of you are like that. You want to sleep when you're depressed. Now, for some reason, I don't know if I've gone through the chains or what, but but now in my darker times, I tend to be awake. I can't sleep. I I long to sleep, but, but, but can't sleep. But it becomes a physical crisis. When you're depressed, you do not feel good physically. You have no energy for anything, and nobody understands that. But, but you understand that. There's just no energy. It's a psychological crisis. You can no longer really control your thoughts. People lose patience with you. They tell you just to cheer up. They tell you just to get out and go and, 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 and act like you feel better. But you don't feel better. You can't stop thinking the negative thoughts. At other times in your life, you you would be able just to change your way of thinking or distract yourself or go to a movie or, or do something to change your brain's way of thinking. But in times of depression, you just can't. Your brain fixes and holds those negative thoughts and there's just simply no way to make your brain turn loose. You can't stop thinking those thoughts. It's physical, it's emotional, it's psychological, and it's spiritual. Because in the middle of those moments, you're going to cry out, God, why? 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 The first couple of verses of the psalm sort of lay out the crisis for the psalmist, and it is a crisis. He's in full-blown crisis mode. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food. Why does he have to go through this? He's a, he's a psalmist. He's obviously a man of very deep spiritual orientation. He knows God. He longs for God. So why, if this is a man who longs for God like this, why is he experiencing such a distance from God? God is all he wants. God is all he's hungry for and thirsty for. So why doesn't God come and rescue him? Why does he have to go through this at all? Why do any of us ever experience depression? Why? This is the hard part if you've ever battled depression, but, but I believe this is all, with all my heart. I believe that depression is always a sign that something needs to change. 
It is a sign that something needs to change and you really need to pay attention. It's like the check engine light in your car. When it comes on, you know suddenly that there's something not right. And it really doesn't do enough just to maybe put a piece of black tape over the, over the light and pretend like it's not on. There's something wrong. You need to get to the bottom of what's wrong. Depression is that warning light. It's your body, your brain, your spirit's way of saying something's got to change. It's an opportunity to change. It's difficult to recognize that. But, but these crises are, are, are an important opportunity to make changes that you must make. Elmer Towns tells a story. He's a preacher. He tells a story about his early days in ministry. He was a 19-year-old pastor in a church, and he was clueless. No idea how to preach. No idea how to do anything. So one night at a really low time, just trying to figure out how to possibly motivate his little bitty sleepy church, He went to hear this great preacher, an amazing preacher. And the preacher was preaching the story of Joseph and how Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. And remember, Joseph had that coat of many colors. And this preacher was preaching this sermon. I mean, he was on fire. He was lighting it up. And he was telling how Joseph's brothers one day took him and they ripped the coat from him and threw him in the pit. But when the preacher got to that part about ripping the coat off, that preacher took the coat off of his own back. He ripped it off and he rolled it in a ball. And when they threw Joseph in the pit, that preacher threw his coat across the room. It was amazing. Everybody in the church, everybody listening to that sermon was absolutely enthralled. And that young preacher thought, that's it. That's it. He could not wait to get back to his itty-bitty church, that little sleepy church, and throw his coat. He knew it would light him up, and it did. He went back and he preached that very same sermon. He preached about Joseph and he wore a coat that day. And when he got to the part about Joseph getting thrown in the pit, his brothers took the coat off. This boy threw his coat off, rolled it in a ball and threw it across the sanctuary. Everybody just woke up. They couldn't believe it. It was an amazing sermon. So what did that young preacher learn that day? Coat throwing. Preaching is about coat throwing. So what did he do the next week? He went back to his Bible and found a passage that mentioned coats. He went through the Bible and found every single place where the Bible mentioned a coat. And this is how he preached for weeks after that. Every time the Bible said coat, what did he do? He'd rip his coat off, roll in a ball, and throw it across the sanctuary. He looked for every opportunity. When Jesus was crucified, they took his robe and they tore it. And the preacher would rip his coat off and roll it in a ball and throw it across the sanctuary. He did this for week after week after week. And eventually, what do you think happened? It got old. It just got old. And as difficult as it was before he ever learned to throw his coat, it got even harder now. Because it didn't have the same effect. Everybody was tired of seeing him throw his coat. And to be real honest, he ran out of scriptures that mentioned coats in the Bible. And it was a real crisis for him. It was a very, very difficult crisis. It's all he knew to do to juice up his sorry sermons. And and now he was out of ideas. It, It was a crisis. But what's a crisis good for? A crisis is always good for helping you understand that you need to change. And this young preacher needed to learn some lessons about preaching about his own life, that preaching is a whole lot more than throwing your coat. Did you understand? Any crisis, and especially our crises of depression, this is God's way, our spirit's way, our body's way of saying something's got to change. 
Something's got to change. There are lots of ways to approach this. Like I said, depression is it's spiritual, it's emotional, it's, it's, it's physical. And honestly, all of those things will probably have to be involved in, in, in coming out of a spiritual crisis, in coming out of a depression crisis. I know that many of you really, really struggle with the idea of taking medication. But, but listen, there is a physical component to depression and medication may help. Don't be ashamed to take medication. If it'll help the physical part of, of your depression, take the medicine. You would take medicine for anything else the doctor said you needed it for. Now, depression is just one more thing that, that medication can help. It can help the physical part of depression. But medication will not help the emotional, the psychological, the spiritual part of your depression. It may be part of the answer. It will not be the whole answer. You still got to pay close attention to whatever it is in your life that needs to change and be rather courageous in making those changes. Notice what the psalmist says. This is common in in my depression, in your depression. Verse four, my heart is breaking as I remember what? How it used to be. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. Uh, This is one of the places where we can really get stuck in our depression. In those moments when all we can think about is the past, the, the only thing we can see is the past. And this is the psalmist's struggle here. He longs for those days gone by that honestly are never coming back. You never get to relive those days. It's, it's, it's difficult. I'm struggling with some of this right now. My son has turned 16 today. He's delighted with the whole thing. It's kind of joyful agony to watch your children grow up. Do you know what I mean? It's joyful. It's wonderful to see him grow. It's also agonizing. I've always felt this way. I've always watched him and I've always been so proud of him and so happy. And at the same time, just so sad to watch him grow. Sometimes still, 16 years later, when Wade's not around, I'll say, Casey... What happened to the little boy? I just missed the little boy. We just got back from a vacation. When Wade would go on vacation, as our family goes on vacation. He's our only son. Wade will sit in the back seat. When he was little, he'd put his itty-bitty feet up on the, on the console between him when I was driving. His little bitty white feet right here. And I would reach over and touch those little feet, little bitty toes, the little piggies. I would touch his feet. Coming back from Florida, Wade now sits in the back seat and puts his big, giant feet like on the dashboard, these giant legs and hairy legs and feet this big. And when he was little, I'd touch those little feet and I'd kiss those little feet. I wouldn't touch those feet now with latex gloves. I wouldn't touch his foot for nothing. Giant, hairy, sweaty, gross foot. Man, I want nothing to do with that foot. I mean, where's the little boy, man? I miss those little itty bitty feet. Y'all know what I'm saying? I, I just, I just miss the, I just miss the little boy. The, the little boy, he used to come in and just hug us, and he just loved mom and dad. Now he's 16. He still hugs mom, but he doesn't hug me very often because we're both grown men, and there's something about that that just sort of creeps him out. And, and I get that. I understand that. But every now and then, Wade will still come and put his arms around me, and I just freeze. It's kind of like when a, when a dragonfly or a butterfly lands on you, and it's such a wonderful thing, and it happens so rarely, you just don't move because you're afraid it will chase him off. He puts his arms around me and I just stand still. Man, I love that. I live for those moments. 
And all along the way, as, as I've watched him grow, I think, oh my goodness, I can't believe that this part of our life is over. I can't believe that soccer is over. I can't believe that elementary school is over. He's going to be a junior in high school. I can't believe it. It's amazing how you can really get fixed on on the days going by. Psalmist says, my heart breaks when I think about the way it used to be. When I used to be so happy and I would worship and I would lead the whole parade into church and my voice would be the loudest one singing at church. I used to be so happy and my heart breaks when I think about how how it used to be. Don't you understand that that is life. Those days go by and you don't ever get them back. And it is just part of life. And you've got to accept that. Our lives are full of glorious, wonderful moments and blessings every single day. But the blessings of today are for today. And there's no guarantee I'll have the same blessings tomorrow. I can't become so attached to today because today passes by. And it never comes back. Never comes back. If you're one of those people today, tonight, and you're sitting here, and and you really are rather carefree, your life is going well, and you're joyful, and you have so many things to thank God for. I'm not trying to rain on your parade, but I just want you to understand, just recognize that life is not always like that. You're going to face trouble. You're going to have hard times. The sun is going to go behind the clouds for you one day, and you need to expect that and not be so shaken when it happens. Some people seem never to anticipate that things will will go the other direction and they become so absolutely devastated when it happens. Just understand that it's going to happen. It is. A, A man was freshly divorced. Christian man. Good man. His wife absolutely abandoned him. And he was devastated. This was a good man. Had been faithful to God and faithful to his wife. And she just left him. He said he went to the Christian bookstore one day just to look on the shelves and see if there was any kind of book that would help him. And so he's standing here in the middle of the books that have to do with divorce. And he was devastated and sad. Well, up walk these two ladies, two church ladies, come walking in. Standing there in that aisle beside him. They're looking at the same stack of books. One of the ladies pulls off a, a book from the shelf. And the title was The Divorced Christian. The Divorced Christian. And the lady said, hmm. I think that's a contradiction in terms. What do you think to the other lady? The other lady said, I think certainly so. And the man hears that. It's one of the books he was looking at, the divorced Christian. He hear these two women saying, I think that's a contradiction in terms. They don't have a clue. These two women don't have a clue. And I pity one of them the day one of their husbands runs off with the secretary. Do you understand? I pity them. In those moments when everything, in your, when your life is going well, you must not presume that you can never be shaken because understand, life is full of things that can shake you. You've got to recognize that that's just how life is. The blessings of today are for today. And if you become very, very attached when they're gone, what are you going to do? It's the situation of the psalmist. It's amazing, just absolutely amazing what he says. It's a chorus, if you notice, and and the psalms are, of course, hymns. They're songs of praise. And the chorus of Psalm 42 is found in verse 5 and again in verse 11. It's the part that repeats, and it's beautiful. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope 
in God. Hope, that's the, that's the word. What is hope? Uh, somebody answer me. How would you define hope? Yeah, certainty of things not seen. Yeah, hope always has to do with the future. The future, hope. What do you think hope is? What would you say, Teddy? Something that hadn't happened yet? Yeah, usually hope is associated with wonderful things, the things that we long for, the happy things, the best things that, that are in the future waiting for us. Hope is absolutely essential to your soul. Scripture says, now abide these three things, faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love, but don't forget, hope comes close second there. Very, very important. If a person loses hope, it is a devastating loss. Hope is just that basic assurance, that basic bedrock assumption that though today may be very, very difficult, tomorrow can be better. Today may be horrible. I may have nothing today, nothing that brings me joy. I may have nothing and nobody today, but if I have hope, I still have a basic assurance that tomorrow might hold something better for me. That, that's hope. And whenever you find someone who's lost hope, it's a devastating thing. Whenever you find a couple that's about ready to call it quits and get a divorce, I'm telling you, there is a couple that's lost hope. In your married life, there will be times when it's horrible, when it's very, very difficult, when like the psalmist says, all you've got for food are your tears. Marriage is like that sometimes. You need to understand that. It sometimes is like that. But if you maintain hope, then you'll never, ever give up on the fact that though today we may cry together, we may yet laugh together tomorrow if we stay together and don't lose hope. Hope is a basic belief that today can be horrible, but tomorrow can be better. In our depression, this is what we often lose. I begin thinking that all the best things in my life are gone, all the best days are gone, and I have nothing left to look forward to. I, I need hope. Where do I find hope? In the midst of my depression, when I'm battling this monster of depression, where do I find hope? What does the psalmist say? It's beautiful. Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. I will put my hope in God. As I said, medication may help the physical part. Medication won't bring your hope back. You need something else. You're like that clown that gets knocked down, and while other people seem to pop back up, you're not coming back up. And honestly, it's not in you to bring yourself out of this. If, if you could bring yourself out of it, you would have already done that. You've got to put your hope in God. Only God can bring you back, bring you back up. Christians have battled depression uh, as long as there have been Christians, as long as there have been the people of God. We've struggled with this. It, it is true that while medication and other things may be a part of your healing, you must never, ever neglect the fact that God is your hope, and therefore you have to strengthen your relationship with the Lord. It's difficult because we don't pray like we used to pray. We, we don't seem to have words to pray. Sometimes even in our prayers, all we have are tears. I'm telling you, if tears are all you can pray, then pray your tears. 
The psalmist says amazing things here. He says, each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. Through each night I sing his songs. Amazing. Now that's courage because I can tell you there have been nights in my life when singing his songs was just not in me to do. But sometimes you have to do what is difficult. This, this monster of depression that has begun to move into your heart, you're going to have to fight him. You're going to have to fight like you've never fought anything in your whole life or he will destroy your soul. You've got to fight him and you will need every single ounce of power that the Holy Spirit gives you. And you will have to do very, very difficult things, including, yes, maybe singing his songs when honestly singing is not something you feel like doing. You may have to do a number of things you don't feel like doing. You may have to return to fellowship, return to friendship. You may have to come back into the circle of where people are. Honestly, that's not what you want to do. You don't have energy for people, but sometimes you've got to do the hard thing. And this depression monster is a monster you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to pray when you don't feel like praying. You're going to have to pour out your heart in Scripture and let God speak into your heart. Even though Scripture will be very difficult to read sometimes, this is a monster you're going to have to fight. And and fight you must. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints. Other times there was only one. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could see only one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, you promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you would walk with me always. But I've noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there has only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why, when I needed you most, have you not been there for me? The Lord replied, During those times when you have seen only one set of footprints, my child, it is then that I carried you. It is then when I carried you. My friend, if you are battling this monster of depression tonight, understand that though it doesn't feel like it and it doesn't look like it, the Lord is carrying you. Let him carry you. If you put your hope in him, you will praise him again. You will praise him again. Today can be a very, very dark day, but tomorrow can be an altogether different kind of day if you put your hope in him. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, there are those in this room tonight who have been knocked down and they have not come back up. Lord, they do not see anymore the possibility of standing on their feet, being joyful, praising you, being back around other people. It's so hard to leave the house every day, so hard to get out of bed, so hard to sleep. Oh God, I pray tonight that those in this room whose hearts are so threatened by depression, the monster of depression, I pray, Lord, that you would help them tonight to put their hope in you, to learn to hope again, hope for good things, Lord. The the days of yesterday are not coming back. The blessings of yesterday will never be ours again, Lord, but there may yet be blessings tomorrow for those of us who learn to hope in you. 
Lord, I pray for those tonight who are carrying a difficult load. Those tonight who are walking along the shore and feel like there is only one set of footprints. Oh, Lord, carry them. Remind them, Lord, that they're never alone. Lord Jesus, I pray that as a family here tonight, as a family of Christians, we'll love each other, look deeply into one another's hearts, be gentle with those who are struggling. I pray, Lord, that even as you carry us, that we will also help to carry one another in our prayers and with our friendship. We pray in the name and in the love of Jesus.